Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea Podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because, frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in. If this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service, hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. Hello. Hello. Uh, how's everyone doing? We're drinking tea. Welcome uh, to the Guys Drinking Tea podcast slash YouTube slash Facebook show. Yeah. Good to see every, Good to be in the ears of everybody. So in today's episode, tell us what we're talking about today. Uh, just give us like a bullet list of what we're going to try and cover. Um, well, just, just in the interest of a tea company... Um, Sponsoring our show, I am drinking Twinings Earl Grey, and seeing as we didn't what hear, am I drinking PG tips? Okay, but we never heard back from the PG tips guys. They let us down. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just we'll, we'll try Twinings now. Twinings, if you're watching, if you're we watching, would love you to sponsor. We love a sponsorship. We have six listeners. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so we yes we we are drinking tea, and and then also talking about well character mainly, I guess. Um, well. But we're going to cover the subject of regret. So mm -hmm. I know that you guys might not be like us, but I have regrets in my past. And if you're listening, you probably like don't. Statistically. Probably no one else No out there. one else, no. Statistically, because uh, you joke, right? Statistically, 90% of people identify having regrets. And it's pretty, pretty spread between regrets about education, regrets about family, regrets about relationship. Um, what was fascinating to me was I read one article that said uh, it was a, it was a um, a chaplain in a hospital, and she said she listed she she called the book "Regrets of the Dying," oh, and man. she listed the five things she heard most commonly from her, from people that she she talked to just right before death, and and of course there were a lot of things you would expect that there was a regret over a relationship either like an affair that they'd had or a relationship they didn't pursue. Um, I, I watched this fascinating or read this fascinating article about a guy uh, who had, had been on a train with a, a girl he started chatting to and they, they just, you know, seemed like they were really connected. Um, and so he gave her her address. They'd like fallen asleep next to each other on the train and chatted for hours and hours on this long journey, all of these things. And it just felt like this deep connection. And he'd given her his address, and she'd written a letter to him, but put no return address on it. Um, and he said, like, this just still, like, he's still trying to find this this European girl that he met because he was just like, no, this was the thing. Yeah. Uh, so th there's those relationship regrets. There's the education. Yeah, so we're going to talk about regret. We're going to talk about, um, like, uh, failure, the I guess. car... Well, yeah, failure, making mistakes. We're going to talk about like the car wash for the soul, mm -hmm. like you referred to it on yeah. Sunday. And then again, that definitely wasn't a me quote. That was a Nadia Boltzweber quote, which yes. was, it was just a beautiful But you've got another illustration for us about, so I think confession <laughs> gets a bad rap. And we're going to try and, we're defending we're confession fix. today because um, I think confession gets a really bad rap. It does, rap. absolutely. It's a bad So we're going to talk about that. And um, then we're going to drink tea and yeah. probably meander on a bunch probably, of other yeah. things. But So we, we could start with a peter sort of backstory because yeah. that, that that's that's maybe not everyone on, on track is tracking with that uh so peter one of the first followers of jesus probably the oldest of the followers of jesus now these are all a bunch of oddballs none of them are particularly the first choice for a rabbi in the first century like none of these are the guys that like in a draft system none of these are the guys that are like he's going number one he's the one i really want um so so he gets picked anyway by Jesus because Jesus picks oddballs. Like 
Right. You know, as is evidenced in this room and in amongst the if people. If you've ever room. felt like an outsider, then you might be a perfect you might fit be perfect for the kingdom Jesus. of God. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, so Peter, brash, outspoken, always has something to say, always has a distinct plan. We've referenced this show, The Chosen, a couple of times, um, I think, on this show. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't watched it, it, it's a fun viewing of the life of Jesus. And I think they nail Peter to a T. Like always, like the Peter character is always Jesus lets go. The moment Jesus says it's time to begin the ministry, Peter's like, yeah, Uh, he's just all in, but constantly getting things wrong, constantly overstepping boundaries, constantly. I just just watched episode two of season two. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this like just beautiful interaction between Jesus and Peter, where Peter's like trying to strategize a Uh little bit. And Jesus is sort of like, I love this about you. (laughs) I'm going to need this in the future from you for this, for this group of guys. But right now, why don't you slow your roll? (laughs) Right now we're going to meander around the countryside. I feel like Jesus and I would have got on in that respect. Let's just meander around and talk (laughs) to people. It's like, um, so Peter is the guy he's like, um, yeah, helping make things happen. Uh, and then, of course, there's the there's the moment of failure for him, which, which again, like bad rap for confession. He maybe gets a bit of a bad rap for because all of them desert Jesus. He's just the one that's very outspokenly. Like, He's just you know, the one that said, "I will not do this." Yeah, and I, I think in one of the texts, <laughs> everyone's like, "I'm planning." One the, yeah, one of the. <laughs> One of the texts actually says, and the other disciples said the same, but you get the impression they didn't say it quite as vehemently as Peter did. Like, they're like, yeah, yeah, we won't either. We're we're good. But Peter's like, no, never. Um, And then does, small servant girl comes up to him and says, do you know Jesus? Peter says no. And there's the moment that, as as Jesus had predicted, he looks across, sees Jesus look at him as the rooster crows. And that's, that's disaster. That's like, I'm outside weeping bitterly. And so the question that lurks a little bit after Jesus' resurrection is, can Peter come back from that? Or is he is he stuck on the outside? Does it change his role? Does it change what he's been asked to do? Be- because Jesus has made these remarks about Peter. I mean, your, in, your comment on the interaction, which is almost like, I'm going to need this strategy in the future. The, the text is, on this rock I'll build my kingdom. Um now, how much that is Peter or his confession of faith in Jesus, it seems Peter's going to play a pivotal role. Does that still apply with all of his failure? Does that, or, or is he more like Judas, who will never come back into the fold? Uh, yeah. Who will kind of take, and that to me was just compelling that first time seeing the, the parallels between Judas and Peter. Um, the, the, the one is, is, hopeful still of forgiveness and the the other one doesn't believe it's possible um um oh sorry so uh i just got a text message from uh, one of my good buddies jake and uh the last time he texted us during a live stream was to tell us that our audio was all messed up so i had to check just to make sure no we're good his text was not the audio it wasn't it's like hey i love you or something like that yeah it was just like you're awesome Aaron. yeah Aaron. your hair flows like golden no he didn't say that no he's in he texted me that. No, he didn't text me that. Either. So anyway, sorry about that. No, that's fine. I love that. Um, so Peter, yeah. Peter Peter, Peter is left on the fringe. Like what, what's going to happen? It's like the, the classic literary device. Like what will happen to this character? Is this the moment he turns around and goes back, gives up on the story? Is this the moment the story continues? All those different things. Um, and, and so that that is where we get to see Peter and, and play a little bit with his psychology What's he experiencing here? This this is like this is regret. This is I shouldn't have done this. What's the story look like now? Um, and I guess that's where I'd suggest most of us have probably been. We may not have been that been there practically with Jesus, but I would guess whether it's a, a Jesus thing that most of us would feel we haven't lived up to the name of follower of Jesus. We've not done that well that we're, we've, we've become distant from God. We've language that the book revelation uses is lost your first love, all those different things. We just feel how there was a time where that was, that was deeply a part of me and we kind of get worn down with everything going on or whether it's a human to human interaction. And I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good uh, wife. I wasn't a good business partner. I wasn't a good friend. I wasn't a good child. A I wasn't parent. a good parent. I wasn't a good, all of those different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like regret 
is is a part of all of us. And there's probably the spiritual lesson that we can learn of how does Jesus see us in that moment? How does he long to pull us back into his story? But also the the human relationship lesson of when we get out of out of whack with other people, what do we do about that? How how do we how do we live a life that is freer of regret than we have before? So so let me ask this and then because I, I want to get to the text and some of the things that maybe the way of Jesus teaches us about how to deal with regret, mm-hmm. but maybe could I put you on the spot and maybe you yeah. can put, return and put me on the spot. Wow. Is there a moment that you feel like you regret or is this a, yes. maybe you a moment that I want regret? to talk about that I feel. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's uh, your deepest, darkest yeah. secret? <laughs> Let's let's talk Hi, about. That. I'm Batman. <laughs> wow, I am Iron Man. I had my suspicions. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. That's awesome. Mm. <laughs> um, no, but like maybe, yeah. So so I I I, think, I, I, I hesitated to ask that because no, no, my no, guess fine, is no, you should ask me too. But. Yeah, I know, and I can. Um, <laughs> so so I think it's interesting that you you talk about different regrets, and you're constantly trying to, like. I have this sneaking suspicion that at least in some ways every decision that leads to change has loss with it. And mm. so there'll always be regret. So I guess I guess the question would be other things Ooh. that I regret or other things that I regret but would have regretted the counter decision more. So I get a good example of that would be I have a very close relationship with my family back in England. Mm. When Laura and I met, we were aware that this Atlantic Ocean would be between us until we got married. But I don't know if either of us particularly had navigated the fact that it would be between our families for the rest of our lives. For one or the other. Yeah, for one or the other. Because her family lives here, your family lives there. And now we don't live by either of them. I mean, it's still a thousand miles to Michigan. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) but, but, But I think we, you know, we lived in England for a while and we recognized we started having kids. Laura's parents were missing out on that. We moved to Michigan for five years. We were by Laura's parents. My parents were missing out on that. Then we moved to New York and both people are missing out on that. So so there's there's that, there's the regret or the sorrow, I guess is a better word of, I would love to have had those interactions more consistently. But the choice that I made, do I regret that choice? No. Do I regret meeting Laura? Absolutely not. Like I'm still as in love with her as of the day I met her? Do I regret the children that we had? Absolutely not. Do I regret the multiple friendships and relationships that I've made along the way? You know, when I think about people in my life at different stops, hmm. it's it's very hard to regret the journey because of all those beautiful interactions. So there's friends that I have in Michigan, in New York, and now even here after a year and a half, I'm like, can you imagine not meeting that? that person. I mean, you are one of those people, like the, the, the way that you articulate faith, the wisdom, the friendship with, like there are things that you like, there would have been a journey that hadn't, that didn't lead to that interaction. Mm. And so you're always, I think one of the keys to overcome and regret, we'll talk about a little bit later is confession. Yes, but it is also gratitude, gratitude for the beautiful things you have. So, so I, I don't know that I regret that at least in the normal sense. I think I regret maybe, like there was a season in my life, this is going to sound maybe a little silly, I could have worked more and and live, and played harder almost. So I had like maybe two years where I didn't go to college. I worked maybe 20 hours a week. Earned uh, enough money just to get by. Did a lot of reading, which was great. Did a lot of resting, I guess, which I didn't necessarily need. But I could have like worked harder and played harder. I traveled quite a few places in that season. I could have easily traveled twice as many. I, I, th- mm. There's just maybe some sense there. And then and then this is going to sound like an interesting one as well. There was a, a guy I worked with in England, um, or at least I attended his church. Uh, he was a, a guy that just I really saw move in, like he, he connected with God in this incredible way. And yeah. there was one season where he said, I'd love you to come with me as I preach different places. Um, and, and just, you know, you just help me with stuff, but you'd just be part of what God is doing. And I was like, yeah, I definitely want to do that. And then he didn't mention it again and I never followed up on it. Uh, And so when you look at things like that, you're like, well, that interaction would have been incredible to have that week in, week out. And, and isn't it funny how like, 
usually the things we regret is uh, ha, it's like it's an alternative story that mm. you could have lived. Yeah. And it's usually, if I'd made this decision instead of this decision, if I'd lived here instead of here, there's this whole world mm -hmm. with different people, different things. And so it's like, it's a, it's yeah. a scary thing. And yeah. it's usually, I think usually, <laughs> I think, I think as a general rule, people look back and I'm going to generalize hugely here and rarely say, I wish I'd risked less. They usually look back and say, I wish I'd risked more. Um, does that make sense? Like, like I think, I, I think unless you're talking about the stock market, <laughs> right? Because so. let's be honest, right I wish now, I'd risked though, less. But there's other no, people I'm just that, joking. Yeah, yeah, I'm just messing. That just, that, I, I just think generally there's there's like we play it safe so often with things. So when you think about relationships that people regret, uh, they they regret. Oh, I didn't ask the person. Um, I, I wasn't brave enough. And I'm sure there's other stories that come to mind that are the opposite. You know, the daredevil that tries to jump over the Grand Canyon probably risked too much. Um, but they're a rarity. And their stories are rarities. Usually there's a lot of regret of, I wish I hadn't, I wish I had taken this step. I wish I had started my own company and was afraid to do it. I wish I had yeah, asked for the first date or the second date and was afraid to do it. I wish I had traveled with the the guy that was really hearing from God and, in, and imbibed more of that. Um, yeah, and so it's the what what could have been yeah. piece, but it's also regret itself shapes us. Mm -hmm. Like I was even thinking of the last story you just told, like that particular people, your, your person that you had an opportunity of following around and learning from and all those sorts of things, um, that particular story was not necessarily told, but you even told me yesterday, I, I feel like, I want to tap into some of the gifts that God, you know, how God used him yeah. here at this community. And there's still this lingering Definitely. curiosity about what could have been yes. and what maybe still could be yes. because of this relationship. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Which is so fascinating. It is so fascinating. And and, and so I mm. think there's always these different things in the back of our mind. Um, and, and I came to this, I guess, conclusion maybe a couple of years ago. Where, where I started to feel that the grace, the goodness of God is so, so dramatically beyond our imagination. I obsess less over wrong steps mm. um, because I somehow believe that God brings them back. <laughs> where would the church be without Peter and his journey if he doesn't make that wrong step? Now, if he says, yes, I do mm. know Jesus, does he end up on a cross next to him? And is that a good story? Um Maybe, but also his failure changes him dramatically. And God in his goodness brings him, Paul's failure, Paul's own nonsense, um, his own way of being, his own persecution of the church. They bring him to a place of humility as we get further into the Jesus story. So isn't that, I, oh, that's one of the beauties of walking yeah, with Jesus, right? Yeah. Is we may suffer this deep regret, uh -huh. but then he's uh, he sort of sees our story and says, "Oh, I was using that to shape who you are, and all the good and beautiful things that you do love are part of that." Ah, so, so yeah. really, which is what, what's that passage? Romans, you know, every good, yeah. I mean, um, not every good. God works all yeah, things, all things for yeah. For the somehow good of those he who, takes them and he reshapes things, and uh, and so I think the question for us, if we're following Jesus, isn't so much how do I obsess over the bad things or the wrong things or the regrets that I have and and try and retcon them in my mind and make them go away? It's, it's how do I confess them and let them go? And that brings us back to what exactly confession is. And, and Yeah, I so let's go there. Theory. Like we said, we were going to talk about confession. I, I, was, I was chatting to someone the other day um, about their experience of being pregnant. And this lady was saying... Um, when I was in the first stages of pregnant pregnancy, I, I was I was nauseous all the time. Um, and I said, oh, so you didn't throw up? And she said, no, but I wished I could have. Um, and I, I had this experience when my gallbladder was really bad. I had to have my gallbladder replaced last year. Uh, and I was away on a skiing trip with a, uh, with a friend. We were staying in this house and just in the evening, I just felt, I, felt, I thought I had food poisoning. I just felt terrible, just this deep pain, like everything had stopped working. And I remember just like, I just wish I could throw up because then everything would feel better. 
and I finally did. And there's just that moment of relief of like, okay, it feels like now we can reset. So I have this theory that confession in a bizarre way is like vomiting. It's like the moment where you're like, huh, okay, I feel better now. You, you let something go. You, you, you spend the time over the toilet bowl. You let it all pour out. And you're like, we can reset now. Yeah, so it's like deeply horrifying, disgusting. Uh-huh. Yeah. And sometimes painful or like just it very like no one's like i love to no, throw no, no. up like and so but think about the process of of being in counseling or something like that yeah. you say something and you're like i didn't know that was in me i didn't know that emotion or that articulation was in me and you let it out and you kind of look at it for a second mm. and you're like oh that's disgusting where why is that in me why is that a part of who i am Why is that resentment there? Why is that anger there? Why is that fear there? Why is that frustration there? And and you vomit it out, you speak it out, and there's the moment of examination of, ugh, I'm a disgusting person. And then a relief of, okay, now I've spoken it out. It suddenly seems less less potent, less damaging. Um, So I have a story. Yeah, um, let's have a story. Of maybe the first time I did... more of a public confession or like it to someone else that was probably one of the most healing steps in a long journey of emotional awareness for me. And it was, uh, some of you may know him, Chuck Malott. He are a member of South. He was on staff here for a while. He was an he elder. Our, he was an elder, all these different things. I, think Chuck, so, I, think, I feel like Chuck might be being called back to the eldership. I don't know. I yeah. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck. if you're listening you know it's like <laughs> so um i had just come on staff and i i had um i had certain obviously like i think mo- many of us have like i have certain things and tendencies or whatever that i just was deeply embarrassed mm-hmm. by and i'd almost made a vow subconsciously that there are certain things about who i am that i will never let someone else see. Wow, okay, yeah, yeah. Because I was so ashamed by it and so full of guilt and a good Christian. And I thought I could just like, like force myself to be not that mm. person for for so long. And I just come on staff and there was a bunch of various different things that took place. And ah, long story short, anger is one of them. Mm. I don't get, I have a very long fuse. Yeah, I could. Yeah, but I could. a significant explosion. Oh, it's like the C4 is attached to this endless fuse, but when it gets to the end. <laughs> yeah, when I, oh. get, when I blow up, it's not yeah. pretty. <laughs> so kind of um, in a weird, sick way, I kind of almost want to see it, but <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> so, and maybe maybe it's not as big as I think mm. it is, but compared to who I want to be. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I had these, this na- maybe natural hesitation, like when you become a pastor, mm. And there's these pressures around like, I, oh, now there's like a different level of accountability. I need to be all of this weight I put on myself over the years. I wasn't even a pastor when I had that weight. And so now I'm a pastor. I got to be super Christian. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for, for various reasons, I was just full, deeply ashamed about this. But it, it kind of came to a head where I was getting frustrated. There was stuff at home. There was pressures here. Mm. There was all these different things. And one night I got into a fight with my wife and I'd actually headbutt a hole in the drywall. Wow. Because I was so frustrated. I just, I slammed a door, walked downstairs because I was getting too heated. I knew that I needed uh-huh. to get out of the situation. And I just crushed oh. a hole in the drywall. Yikes. And I had a gash on my forehead. And I was also just so taxed and spread thin at work that I basically was starting to just not care about a bunch of different things. It was a, it was a short... <laughs> We could go. Uh, this is a so, big yeah, confession. Last week. <laughs> this was, yeah. Anyway, so um, I was basically just fed up on all fronts, uh-huh. and so my my uh, filter was diminished. Yeah. And so we were in a staff meeting, and and Chuck asked, "Hey, Aaron, what's the gash on your forehead?" <laughs> and I said, "You know what, I." I got so angry in a fight with my wife last night that I that I headbutt the wall and broke the drywall. That honest, truthful wow. confession was maybe the first time I'd revealed 
a deeply broken, sinful thing about me in a public setting. Wow. And what Chuck said to me, I don't even know if I can say it without oh. weeping, but what Chuck says is, he says, Aaron, I'm really good at fixing head-shaped holes in drywall. Oh. <laughs> and that, that reception of grace, it was oh, his way man. of saying, we're all human here. Yeah. It was like the first time where wow. I experienced this vomiting yeah. and then his reaction of, of grace towards that confession was like, I am allowed to be me? Uh huh. Oh my gosh, I'd never experienced such a thing where That's I was so genuinely good. broken in someone's presence and then received grace. And, and I, I think I've oh, used that my Lord, similar, so good. similar like practical story I've used before, definitely a South, but, but again, worth telling again. My wife and I, when she was pregnant the first time, we were in a store together and she suddenly looked at me with this like, I'm about to throw up. <laughs> and she did. And I just put my hands out and caught it. And and that's the moment. Caught it. Yeah, yeah. Your hands were big enough to hold it all? No, they just dripped off the side. <laughs> and then I, and then I actually just like Sorry. just threw it on the floor. I was like, I, I don't know what I did that for. But it was a sign of like my love and my willingness to sit in the mess with her. Mm. Um you know, the, the the selfish part of me was like, okay, you stay here. I'm going to go look at the, the pizza ovens or something like that. <laughs> you deal with this mess. I'll be over shopping for guy tools. Um, that, there, was a, there was something special about being hmm. willing to sit with her in that to catch what she threw out. And, and metaphorically, that's what Chuck does in that moment, right? The thing that totally. you throw out, he's like, I can catch that. I was a jerk. Uh, I was angry. Yeah. I was this so angry that I, but, and he's just like receives it. Uh -huh. And then not only did he not blow up and say, oh, well, maybe you shouldn't even be a pastor, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is my she, expectation. Really, yeah. That was my expectation. Uh -huh. I might've just gotten myself fired. Yeah. I'm the kind of human being, the kind of pastor that gets angry enough to headbutt holes in walls. That's who I actually am. Mm -hmm. And he responded with grace. And I was like, wait, I don't have a framework for this. Yeah. And it that started a journey of like I'm allowed to be me and honest and grow and all these sorts of things and that's when like healing over anger started to actually take place. But isn't it interesting like the ability of people to show grace to stand in the place of Jesus and and we'll see what he does with Peter in a moment. Um, I remember a time in, I was maybe 21, 22 years old, struggling with with pornography. Again, that puts me in like what percentage of 21, 22 year olds, like 99% of them or whatever. But I remember feeling very guilty, very messed up about it. And, and finally going to the youth pastor I was volunteering for. And I was actually, you know, fairly central as a volunteer, was running an event for him myself and then also participating, overseeing a chunk of volunteers at another event. Um, and I remember going to him, expecting the result of that would be, okay, why don't you take a break from all of this for a while? Why don't you, you know, mm. get your relationship with Jesus fixed and then we'll have you back in, in a volunteer role. Then we'll have you back speaking to students again. Um, and I remember him just listening, just letting me know I wasn't alone, letting me know I wasn't unique or I was unique, but at least my story wasn't. Uh, and then there was this moment where he looked at his watch and he was like, don't you have an event starting? You should probably go run that event, shouldn't you? Uh, and it was just this this acknowledgement that I was still included, that I was still part of the team, Gosh, that, that my so expression of my brokenness didn't exclude me. And I think that's what Peter needs in this moment. His yeah, question totally. is very similar to mine. It is, am I still included? Uh, and so in the end of uh, John, yeah, so we John's Gospel, that, yeah. John 21, uh, the, there's, a, there's a moment of fishing, um, so just like us, when we're not sure what to do, we go fishing, maybe they go fishing. These are fishermen, mostly they don't know what to do. Jesus is, is, is sort of in and out on his resurrection appearances, but it hasn't given them like a clear direction. So they kind of return to what they know best, return to the place they know best, the sea of Galilee, they're out fishing. And then after catching nothing, hint, hint, this has happened to them before, uh, they see Jesus on the shore and he starts telling them to do something unusual. And so, uh, and the first time they saw it, it was an invitation to this to majestic follow. journey yeah. of this new thing that Jesus is going to bring. Uh -huh. And so then it, when it shows up a second time, it's a he's got this shame. Yeah. He's got this guilt. And it's like this, this little nod that John sort of subtly puts in there. This might be an invitation uh -huh. to a so, big so journey. So I'm, I'm suspicious like where Peter is psychologically. Uh, and it's always a little dangerous to read mm. 21st century emotions back to first <laughs> century people. 
But there is this moment where Peter starts following Jesus. I, I'm a sinful man. I'm broken. The Peter we see right before the crucifixion is not there anymore. The Peter right before the crucifixion oh. is, I'll never betray you. I shouldn't be washing feet. I should be in the place of honor. All of those different things. And and now post-crucifixion is kind of back to where he was before. So whether he believes he made the change, he's about to learn that without Jesus, he can do nothing. And that that word, Greek word, uden, is, is kind of inherent to the whole text. They caught nothing with Jesus. They can do Uden, what Jesus. to translate? Uh, which simply means nothing. Um, oh, yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. You did talk about um, yeah. They they caught nothing without Jesus. They can do nothing without Jesus. They are nothing without Jesus. Um, mm. and, and so this moment for Peter becomes a moment of deep need. Am I still included? And and of course, Jesus, in his Jesus-like way, is willing to walk him through a very painful experience to get him across to the other side. So there is a fire, just like there was a fire when he denied Jesus. Uh, the difference being there is breakfast here and, and Jesus is creating a new day. Uh, but the fire is there. The smell is and there. And the time of day is slightly the different. Time Again, of day. It's now you talk day to, yeah, it's now light. Easter. Dark. Yeah. There's like all these little uh -huh. things of like, little just, yeah. Jesus is tweaking this. Uh -huh. I loved the way you talked about that on Sunday. Like this whole idea Retconning of the sense, the, fire. the smell of smoke is probably a, a trigger, mm -hmm. all these different things. Yeah. And then Jesus is tweaking this trigger and like Just trying to heal it. Bit, oh yeah. man, so good. And then, and then to the extension of says to Peter, do you love me uh, more than these? Now, now, however nerdy you want to get, we can get on this show. Interestingly, most commentators would say when Jesus says these, do you love me more than these? He's referring to the fish. Oh, um, interesting. So, so I had never read it that way before, but, but this is like the general view of commentators that this is how the languages work. When he says, do you love me more than these? I always read that as Peter, do you love, or Simon, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Or do you love me more than you love these people, your brothers? Most commentators would say the most obvious linguistic reading is, Peter, do you love me more than fishing? Interesting. Which, which again, I, I'm still processing that. I just, it was surprising to me. And I love that about the Bible. You can still learn stuff like oh, how totally. many years later. It's, we've got so many things going on. So, somewhere that the moment of decision for Peter is, do you love catching these fish? Or do you love fishing for people, the thing that I invited you to? Are you going to go back to this thing or are you going to keep doing my thing? Peter, don't you have an event to be running is almost like the, the, the oh, question. Yeah. Um, and and I, I mean, I, I sort of hinted at this at the end of the service. I think some of it is like, I get it, Peter, mm -hmm. but you need to uh -huh, hear yeah, yourself yeah, you say, say that yeah, I love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's interesting. Yeah. Now, I'd always read this as the language being more important around they, they interchange the words that they use for love in Greek. There's all these different Greek yeah, words. Let's... Um, so, so the first time Jesus uses a word agape, which is generally perceived to mean the love of God. Do you love me in this way? Yeah. So the, right um, here, this, do you yeah. love me is agape, yeah. which is that sort of and, and, and his response is, I love you, is phileo, is like, I love you like a brother. Yeah. Um, and, and that goes all the way through until the last time, Agape, yeah. phileo. Uh -huh. And then... And then finally, it's, do you love me phileo, like a brother? And Peter says, yes. The problem with this reading, and I've used this in, in sermons, and yeah. again, just doing some more research around it. One, this author is pretty loose with why he uses different words. He uses <laughs> phileo to talk about the father's love for Jesus, for his son, at different points. Mm. Uh, and if you read it that way, what does that mean? Do we mean that finally Peter has brought Jesus down to his standard of love? Like he's finally like, I can't offer you this love. And Peter's like, and Jesus is like, okay, I'll settle for this. That, that doesn't seem like a Jesus type reading. Uh, so I actually kind of threw this whole belief that I'd had about this part of well, the text out. Well, what if, what if it, is it like Peter bringing it down to his level or, or is it Jesus meeting him where he's at? I don't know if that's a great story though. I, 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 that that feels like an awkward reading a little bit. Like mm. if Jesus empowers us to love better, 
He's like, I want this from you, Peter. I want this from you, Peter. And finally he ends up, uh, okay, I'll settle for this. Maybe that's the reading. Maybe that's, he just acknowledges this is all that Peter can give um, at this moment. Yeah, but, I mean, I love I love that, actually, for but, me personally, because Jesus sort of meets him. Where, all but, all yeah. through John, yeah. the writer is pretty arbitrary as to okay. whether he uses phileo or agape. He's, sometimes he uses one, sometimes he uses the other. Interesting. He uses yeah. agape to talk about the love of brothers. He, to- he uses phileo to talk about the love of God. It's not as crystal clear as sometimes a nice sermon would make it out to be. Um, yeah, but the s- things that are crystal clear is the other connections that you that you made throughout your message is there like, if you're saturated in, in this book, you can't help but notice there's charcoal. That's mm-hmm. the same word yeah, yeah, yeah. at the, both at the denial uh-huh. story and here. Yeah. And then there's the three, the three time denial, the three time declaration. Of love. Just I mean, it's like, you know, like if, if John wasn't trying to do this, then definitely the Holy Spirit was. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's like, it's just And, too and the result is, the result is beautiful because the result <laughs> is that Peter it is a surrender. It's a it's a confession moment. It's a you know, um, I don't need to keep trying to defend this. I, d- I don't need to keep putting on uh, a show. I don't need to argue that I love you more than everyone else. I don't have to pretend that I'll be the one that doesn't deny you and everybody else will. Uh, what whatever I can give you, I'm here. Yeah, his final yeah. statement is down here, um, right? Uh, feed my lambs, or where is this? So like. Peter turned. It's the oh, no, it's a little so seven like, verse seventeen. Lord, you know all things. You know that I yeah. love you. You know all things. There doesn't there doesn't have to be any pretense. Um, it's it's the it's it's almost Jesus Peter's embracing of that word uodon. Um, the yeah, I don't have it. I don't. I I can't manufacture it. I, I can't make myself perfect. I can't fix myself, Jesus, you know. Um, Mm. It's that surrender moment. I think it's that confession. Um, Saying the same as it's coming into agreement. Um, And and for whatever reason, that seems to lead Peter back to the point where the regret, at least it's still there. It's still a failure, something he'll probably talk about for the rest of his life, something he certainly shares with Mark, who puts it in his narrative. The other writers seem to get that from Mark's narrative as well. Um, it's, it's one of those ones that's central to all four biographies or gospel stories. Peter's denial is there in all of them. And it really seems like it can only have come from Peter. Um, yeah. So like, like even the story that I just told about Chuck, this is like, I, I went from a guy who was terrified to tell a small group of mm -hmm. people, uh, that loved me that I was angry Mm -hmm. to, I just publicized it across the airwaves because like this, like, and maybe that's a little bit what it was like for Peter is like, no, this was such a pivotal mm. grace receiving reinvitation thing that like, if you guys are going to write a gospel, oh, you're going to write one too. Make sure you tell that story. Yeah. Make sure you tell that Which story. Which is so interesting. The, I love when, that. when we lived in Michigan, like years back, there was, a, there was a comedian, Tim Cusack, I think his name was, used to do this radio spot called Father Tim, uh, where he would pretend to be a Catholic priest. He'd do like that. He'd do like that traditional Irish accent like that. And it's very stereotypical. Uh, and and <laughs> he talked about how he would get invited to these radio appearances and he'd have like <laughs> flocks of people turn up um, that, would off, that would ask him to do blessings for their kids, that would ask him to do almost like confessionals that would say things like, this is the closest I've been to church for decades. There was a there was a need, and, and he he ended up. He, he said at one point he tried this comedy night thing where he put a confession booth on stage and said, "Who wants to confess?" And people lined up. Um, it suddenly went from supposed to be humorous to very serious. And so you read mm-hmm. all of these stories. There was a guy in in L.A. in the '80s who started a thing called the Apology Line, where people could just anonymously call in and and share people would call in and say, I just caused a car accident and I'm, you know, terrified that the person may have died. I don't know what the story is. There were these people that found this need to vomit out, to speak out, to do what you did, to do what I talked about doing that. That There's something inside me that I have to speak out. And when we think about the idea in this book, James, uh, confess your sins one to another. We've landed at times in church history and 
tell your sins to a priest so he can grant you forgiveness. And we've taken that from an, an, an idea that says, share your failures, your faults, and your brokenness with each other because there's a joy in being able to do what Chuck did. There's a joy in being able to say, I excel in fixing head-shaped holes. Or don't you have an event to go run? Don't you have an event to Which go run? Which is almost what Jesus says. Yeah, let me catch that for you. Yeah, Jesus um, says to Peter, like, yeah. hey, I'm going to build my church. And like, you're going to be the leader of this church. And he's like, wait, I thought I was disqualified uh -huh. and actually yeah, yeah, just yeah. gave me yeah. more responsibility. Yeah, so good. So so it's, it seems like there is almost no failure, no mm. regret that Jesus can't take and turn it into something positive. The decision is, and that's the tension between Judas and and Peter. Uh, when when Jesus prays, Father, forgive them. Whether Judas has free will or, what, or whatever, we don't need to get too much into that. The response of Judas, at least unspokenly, is surely you don't mean me. Hmm. And Peter's response is, okay, yeah, I can get on board with this. Okay, so before we close up, which we're coming up to a decent amount of time, we're going to try and be slightly better. Okay. Maybe this week, five minutes better. Okay, I love with it. With our length. But so, so, so um, yeah, how, how does someone start testing the waters of true confession or opening up to, some, to another human being? Like, okay, maybe we just sold it. Mm -hmm. They're like, all right, that's what I need to do. I need to expose some stuff that's deep down in me. What's some safeguards, some steps, some tips? What so, do you think? so I think just just thinking within what we would call <laughs> scripture, the Psalms are a great place to start to gain some language. Um, if you want someone who's sat where you've sat, David writes a chunk of the Psalms. He's pretty messed up. Does ha, has a lot of regret. Um, yeah. Psalm I would, I would guess so. Psalm fifty one. Just a great place to process some of what he recognizes. Psalm 36, Psalm 139, uh, a different pieces of language. Like Psalm 139 has this beautiful language of you've searched me and you know me. You know everything that's there. It's the same language Peter uses. You know, Lord, you've got it. Um, 51 is is right after he has this, this big affair, um, ends up getting the, the woman's husband killed as well. And and that's his pouring out of, there's no sacrifice for this. I, I, there's no earning of this. Uh, all I can do is be here and ask ask for your forgiveness. It, it gives some language, I think, to, to some ways we might feel. And finding ways to, to process outward. Mm. I think for those of you, for those of us that pray silently, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something about speaking out that is powerful, whether that's writing it down whether that's writing it on some kind of stone and throwing it into a body of water, whatever that looks like, there are some really practical things that, that almost like, that there's this beautiful passage, I, I want to say it's in Isaiah, that talks about um, as far as the east is from the west, so you have removed our sins from us. Yeah. Um, mm. There's something about physically taking something putting it down and then removing it, that's a really good parallel for what Jesus offers. Um, it mm -hmm. gives us a moment of saying, no, no, I've taken that and I've put it on to one side. I'm not holding it anymore. Um, now, will you at times feel like you're holding it? Probably. But there is a reminder, a practice to go back to. No, no, I did that. I wrote it on the piece of paper. I burnt the paper. I took, put it on the rock. I sank the rock. I, you know, Any of those things I think are actually really helpful. Yeah, and maybe um, a passage, another pat. So I love that psalm. I think that's so, so, so valuable because it gives you language on how to maybe start a confession conversation mm. with Jesus. But maybe if you're still struggling with fear of like broaching that conversation, one, just acknowledging that he already knows, but then a pass, another passage that you could meditate on or maybe even memorize would be um, Romans chapter five. Mm -hmm. There's this idea like that, the cross stands as this beacon that says, while you were an enemy, mm -hmm. like before you ever tried to clean anything up, that's when he died. Yeah. That's when he chose to die for your sins. Like, even if you've done a wicked good job at cleaning yourself up and polishing mm -hmm. off the edges, which chances are we all, if we're honest, know that there's probably more edges than we than we like to admit. 
but before any effort to renovating our souls, that's when he chose to love. We're, that's we're, when he we're all in. Romans, like five, all the way through to chapter eight, yeah, like, totally. especially in something like the message. Oh. So evocative because it's Paul's journey, really. It's like, this This was me. I've, I've been through all of this and I'm still going through it. Yeah. And then there's the tricky thing of when, when do you go to a person and make a confession? When do you go to someone and say, between you and I, I didn't get this right. Um, between you and I, I was at fault here. Do you have to own all of it? No. Or, but, or even like, I think that there is maybe part of the reason why counseling is just skyrocketing is because there's this like, there's this agreement, mm -hmm. legal agreement that mm -hmm. it stays there. Yeah. And that's something deeply human, um, which we, maybe we it's could briefly safe. touch on It's there's the safety there and being able to confess to another human being that is made in the image of God. Mm. There's some some unique yeah. power to that and finding someone safe to do that with. And is it may super, lead to super. other journeys of other conversations. And you touched on like your long fuse and the explosion. Somewhere the explosion has to happen. But, but scientifically, there's this difference between explosion and implosion. Um, mm. And in some ways, an explosion is less deadly than an implosion. Mm. I mean, that's where, where the nuclear theory comes from, right? The ability of, of a device to push everything inward and create a much bigger thing in the end. Mm. Uh, so, so you have all those questions like what so happens? You can blow up, just don't go nuclear on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people will say like, <laughs> you know, what, ha what happens if you take a nuclear bomb and put it in, in a fire? Nothing. Like it requires the mechanism of, of implosion that can split atoms apart and create that ultimate explosion from that. Yeah. And, and it seems like the longer we compress, the longer we push everything inwards, um, the, the worse in the end it is. And that's why confession is so central to what Jesus talked about, what his followers talked about, what the church has talked about. Yeah, and so maybe if that, another tip would be like, if that's you, um, and you just need a place to experiment with this idea of confessing with someone else, you know, that's part of what we're here for as a community. Call Chuck and Malott. And maybe, yeah, call <laughs> Chuck Malott. He is really good at fixing head-shaped holes in drywall. Chuck, we love you if you happen to listen. Um, but yeah, find someone safe that that is saturating grace. And if you want to set up a time with a pastor or a counselor or something that, man, it could go a long way. Now, one final question because there might be a flip side to this. Mm. How do you become a safe person to receive confession? So I think I think there's an interesting sort of story parallel to me. I just finished my annual reading of The Lord of the Rings, which I do every year. And there's a couple of characters that in the movies, if you've seen the movies, <laughs> they don't quite get the, the, the attention that they might in other places, or in the book at least. But there's this father-son pair. Um, the one guy is, is is an important role. He's the steward of this big kingdom. Um, and he it says he sees very far into men's hearts. He reads them incredibly well. Mm. And it says his son does the same, but he's as unlike him as you could possibly find because where his father is moved quickly to scorn, this character is moved to pity. Um, oh, wow. like there's the, so, so you may not be reading people's hearts in, in confession, but you are being privileged to have them open up their hearts and show them to you. And so there's a potential that that moves you to scorn for them or, um, a, a new feeling about, about them. I would suggest going into that and trying to allow people to open up to you by saying, no, this is not going to change my view of someone. This is a safe space for them to reveal the inner recesses, um, to expose themselves in a way I may rarely have exposed myself to other people. Uh, and I'm going to receive that. And the mm. struggles, the tensions, the emotions within that, I'm going to receive with pity and love. Uh, and I don't mean pity in the, se in the, in the, the patronizing sense, but the compassion, the compassion sense. Empathy, whatever uh -huh. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so that, I think, is an important emotional starting point of view. Don't be a counselor if what you like is judgment, what you like is seeing people's innermost experiences and be like, that that person's a mess. I'm so yeah, glad. I have a feeling you won't have very many clients for very long. Yeah. Um, so another one is, is confession begets confession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
vulnerability begets vulnerability. Mm. So like, I think, yeah, like, and so like even what Chuck did for me, even though he wasn't the first to make the move, his, his response to my confession was a confession, mm. a comical one, a playful yeah. one, a yeah. lighthearted one. But it was basically like I've punched holes in walls. Mm -hmm. I've I've got and I'm very an, practiced. I'm an elder. Sorry, Chuck, if I just outed you <laughs> as a guy who punched <laughs> holes in walls. Wow, I just realized I confessed on your behalf. Yeah. But anyway, it like oh man, that, that it, I found is, that that's yeah. if you're the first to confess, sometimes that's like oh maybe if they're willing to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. maybe they're a safe place to start. So maybe find someone who's vulnerable, and then try being vulnerable with them. I think that's a beautiful picture, and I, and I think. Somewhere, every one of us needs a safe space to to do that with someone. I, I, I said to someone the other day, I was I was actually talking to a bunch of teenagers, and they wanted me to talk about dating. And I said, hmm. you know, when you want to date someone, find someone older who's been on a journey to have a conversation with it about about with. And and if you don't want to do that, that tells me maybe don't do the dating thing or don't do this thing because it seems like you 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 don't want to hear the no potentially hmm. but but find someone that you can have that conversation with and and i i realized in the midst of that there are almost no decisions that i make in my life it's completely solo in in a, in a complete silo i ask somebody about almost everything i think in a healthy way um hmm. and and it seems like we're made to journey with people to, to get their input and confession is that when James talks about confession to finish off with that, it is that confess your sins to one another because you get to stand alongside each other, support each other, be vulnerable with each other. That's what communities do. That's what Jesus followers do. And that's what we want to be at South and all those sorts yeah. of things. So any Sorry. final thoughts? Final like, words? subscribe, something. Oh yeah. All YouTube those things. iTunes things. Yeah. Rate us on iTunes. Yeah, tell but if you're gonna rate us, us badly, cool. don't rate us on iTunes. Or do like help us get better. We have a confession. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, we're going. Yeah, we got stuff to do. We're very busy and important. <laughs> <laughs> we are so important. All right. So, um, yeah, we love you guys. If you have questions uh, or anything like that, then let us know. And we will like try and get back to. There were questions last week that we didn't answer, so I don't know if we're very good. Well, there was also oh, yeah. Or was it statements? There was. I think it was a statement. Okay, that's fine. It was just like thanks for answering our yeah, the yeah, question yeah, yeah. from the previous week, okay. which we do want to do more of. Um, Someone asked us to be intentional about what clothes we wear because we've got the beautiful purple background. Yeah, and and so. How's the purple working with the, this I, I color think there's scheme? There's a symmetry. My 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 pants and your shirt. There's a bluish kind of. This works well. We totally planned this. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> awesome. See you, everyone. All right, bye, everybody. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this, so feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing, and we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.